0: Hi everyone, welcome to the MyFit Podcast, hosted by fitness coach, business owner, and CrossFit Games athlete, DJ Hilliard. Physical fitness and podcasting are two of his life passions, and his goal is to train, educate, and inspire those who want to improve their general health. These podcasts are designed to help everyone, from the occasional gym member trying to improve their overall wellness, to the fitness enthusiast. The episodes capture a wide spectrum of topics, including training, coaching, nutrition, entrepreneurship, relationships, and mindset. Follow the show on Instagram at the MyFit Podcast, and subscribe to his newsletter at DJ So let's get to it.
1: Hey everybody, welcome back. This is DJ Hillier and you are listening to episode 218 of the My Fit Podcast. This week on the show, I welcome in Brent and Kyle Pease. Brent and Kyle are brothers with an incredibly inspirational story and an even greater love for one another. Kyle was born with cerebral palsy, leaving him with limited movements in his limbs and spending his life in a wheelchair. After asking his brother, Brent, can adaptive athletes do Ironman races? Their world completely changed. Since 2011, Kyle and Brent have been competing together in marathons, triathlons, and Ironmans all across the country, including the Super Bowl of them all, the Kona Ironman in Hawaii. The brothers have their eyes set on growing their foundation, creating a massive impact, and raising more awareness around cerebral palsy. This story is a must listen. Some of the topics we got into were first What was it like growing up with each other and growing up as sport-loving brothers? From the sounds of it, these guys just loved any and all sports, and the goal was to always try to include Kyle in everything that the brothers got into. After that, we talked about getting curious about adaptive athletes doing Ironmans. Then we talked about becoming a world champion at the Ironman at Kona and kind of what that day was like, what were the ups and downs, and just kind of a revisit back into a very monumental moment of their careers. After that, we talked about the importance of process over outcome. We talked about self-talk and staying present during endurance events when it's easy to let your mind kind of wander. Then we talked about the story of the New York City Marathon, which is a story that hasn't been told a lot. And I was just so excited to hear the story about how these guys went through the New York City Marathon together. Then we talked about what it means to have relentless determination. And at the end, we talked about the pieces of advice that Kyle would give to people who are maybe hesitating to go after something that they really want in life listening to these two is absolutely inspirational. It gives a lot of perspective and just motivation to get out get after it and really not let anything in this world hold you back. And after the show, if you guys are feeling it, I highly encourage you to go check out more, learn more about them and donate to the Pease Foundation. And if you want to do so, you can go to www.kylepeasefoundation.org. Without further ado, let's get to this inspirational story with Brent and Kyle Pease. Let's go. My Fit Podcast is brought to you by Element. Element is a tasty electrolyte drink mix with everything you need and nothing you don't. That means lots of salt with no sugar. Element is formulated to help anyone with their electrolyte needs and is perfectly suited to folks following a keto, low-carb, or paleo diet. Element contains a science-backed electrolyte ratio of 1,000 milligrams of sodium, 200 milligrams of potassium, and 60 milligrams of magnesium. With none of the junk, no sugar, no coloring, no artificial ingredients, no gluten, no fillers, and no BS. Healthy hydration isn't just about drinking water. It's about water plus electrolytes. And it makes sense. You lose both water and sodium when you sweat. So both need to be replaced to prevent things like muscle cramps, headaches, and energy dips. There are several flavors to choose from. My favorite is the citrus salt, which is how I start every single day. And as listeners of the MyFit podcast, you can now receive a free element sample pack with any order by using the link www.drinkelement.com forward slash MyFit. Again, that's www.drinkelement.com forward slash M-I-F-I-T. Go get yours now. The most competitive athlete in our house is Kyle
2: because he's been competing to be just like everybody else his whole life. Kyle has spastic quadriplegia, so his body is fighting itself. From the earliest age, I wanted Kyle to be included in whatever we did. And so it was like, okay, well, let's just, let's just figure this out.
1: Brent and Kyle Pease's brotherly bond has gone the distance. Together they train for the latest challenge and show us the Brave Conquer Sphere. Brent says Kyle borrows his legs and Brent borrows Kyle's spirit.
2: They compete as a team and raise awareness as a team as well. What we hope is that beyond this finish line that so many more people want to come out and experience athletics in this fully inclusive way.
1: Two Atlanta brothers are on their way to making history as the second ever duo wheelchair assist team to finish the Ironman. Together, they will do a full marathon, 112 miles on a bike, and a two and a half mile swim as Brent pulls Kyle behind him. As they've done marathons and road races, they have pushed toward one message.
0: If you believe in something and you want to do it, go after it. Yeah!
1: Brent and Kyle Pease, welcome to the MyFit Podcast. I'm so excited to have you guys on the show today. It's been really fun uh, researching you and just hearing your incredibly inspirational story. I'm just excited to have the opportunity to chat with you today. So, welcome.
0: Hey,
2: hey DJ, thanks for having me, guys. Thanks, thanks, DJ. I'm looking forward to it.
1: Cool. So I want to dive into your story. I'm so curious. And for the listeners out there, I am so ecstatic for you guys to hear the story. If you haven't yet, take us back. What was childhood like with you guys? Tell us a little bit about yourself. Let's just set the table and we can kind of go through the timeline of Brent and Kyle.
2: So uh, I'm the older brother by two years. Kyle's got a twin. So three boys. Um, Kyle has cerebral palsy with spastic quadriplegia. So he was born with the condition. It's not a disease. And, you know, really from six months on my parents were aware of what was going on and you know from some of my earliest memories i was aware that you know kyle had different abilities and for us i think that created a connection um in in the way that we were both trying to help each other but it it just created a brotherly bond that you know, we, we all know only with our siblings, and we've shared that for a long time. So, you know, if if you were asking us to describe it in one word, I would say our childhood was fun, but it was just always about, you know, bringing Kyle along with what we did, including him in what we did, and 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 maybe picking on him and beating him up a little bit too, just like a big brother should.
1: Kyle, what are some of your memories of your childhood when you look back?
0: Uh, it was definitely fun. My brother's absolutely we I were on me and uh, there was a lot of uh battery was to be discussed among three boys but they really they really did include me in everything everything together and um uh, that's a big credit Our parents for showing um, us what equity was all about one of my fondest memories was um, my brother We'll play one-on-one baseball, and I was always a uh, pirate, and I would make horrible calls, uh, and they were always paper. Uh, they were always paper bread uh, over my three brothers, so that would always cause a lot of arguments, and uh, basically I would get twelve both out of the game. <laughs>
1: It sounds like an awesome childhood. It sounds like what a lot of boys go through with a lot of sports and everything that's involved for me it was whatever was on TV. I was out playing. So if it was hockey season, I'm playing hockey. If it's I'm watching member the Titans, I want to go play football. So I think we share a lot of that same experience at one point, Brett, you talk about, I've heard you, I've listened to numerous podcasts you've been on and you talk about at one point, there just became a point where we had to figure out something else to do with Kyle. It, it wasn't good enough just to do um, wheelchair basketball or wheelchair soccer. And you kind of had this, this shift of mind. Can you talk to us about when that happened and what was that like?
2: Well, I just, since you brought it up, I do want to add that in growing up in the Southeast during hockey season, we used to take a hose to the driveway,
1: and <laughs> the driveway to
2: make ice, which of course, when it's, you know, 55 degrees in the South, you're not getting uh, ice, but we would still nonetheless, you know, run up our parents' water bill and then put Kyle and <laughs> uh, goalie gear and slap The uh, roller hockey, you know, style lacrosse balls, the nice heavy balls at Kyle. So that was always (laughs) fun. Um, You know, I think the shift at first was to get him into those sports because that was the way for Kyle to experience Baseball or soccer or any other sport. It it wasn't really until we were adults where we started tapping into this inclusive world. And I think you see it in CrossFit games. You see people that are coming with different abilities that are still doing amazing things. And, you know, for us, Kyle really just has limited use of his right hand, but he's still, you know, very strong uh, uh, between the ears. And we tapped into this endurance sports world that really tested Kyle physically and mentally too. For him to sit in his in his chair all day is really a, a place of comfort, just like you and I sitting at a desk or a couch. But to throw him through the rigors and the paces of any type of endurance event, you know, Kyle would wake up the next morning and he'd be just as sore as I was. He'd tell me about how strained he was mentally and how difficult it was to help me get over these things. And so that really was the start of like, There is more than just saying or defining Kyle by his wheelchair. And it wasn't until much later that I feel like we really tapped into it.
1: So you went through college, Brent, and then afterwards, you started to get into some of that endurance world. And for some people, uh, they know they kind of have a smile on their face when you say endurance world, because it is kind of like a world of its own, whether it's uh, Ironmans and triathlons. I mean, it's, it's a whole world. Talk to me about how did you how did you step into that? Were you always curious about endurance? And what was that transition for yourself like before we get into both of you guys?
2: Yeah. I mean, I, I grew up, a, I grew up swimming was probably what I excelled the best at. Um, I tried football, but you know, skinny, slow guy. Um, I was only really good at long snapping. So that was, uh, that was how I got on the football field, but swimming, swimming was where I was probably the most proficient. And so when I was just out of shape from college and, and a few years of, post-college glory, you know, for me to get back in shape, I just started running and then I started swimming again and then I bought a bike and all of a sudden I was just signing up for triathlons. And so it was just this progression where it was a way for me to do something by myself. There wasn't, I mean, there wasn't CrossFit when I was starting out in this triathlon world. There, There was gyms, you know, there was the LA fitness style, you know, mass major gym with a little personal trainer or you know, there was like an aerobic cardio class that like our mom went to, you know. So the only way for me to think I could figure out how to get myself in shape was to just put on running shoes and walk outside the front door and go. And so it just built on itself. And then I just really got kind of enamored and, and fell in love with the process of, of chasing fitness all over again, of seeing that improvement that doesn't happen over the course of a few days, but over the course of several months. And it just built into this uh, triathlon world for me that Kyle really watched me progress through and became the, again, like we were just talking about, it became this open eye-opening experience for Kyle to say, hey, I could do this too. And it'd probably be just as difficult and I'd love that.
1: So, so Kyle, I'm a mental performance coach and one of my, my seven skills of an elevated mindset, I believe the first skill is to be curious. I think there's so much value in living a curious life, whether it's curious about your own self, your own process or other people being curious without judgment. There's just a lot of layers into curiosity. And as I was learning and reading about your story, I saw curiosity pop up, Kyle, when you asked Brent, can people in wheelchairs do Ironmans? It's a, it's a curious question. I had to just dive in, man. I'm, I'm curious to hear about your curiosity in joining the Ironman. What was that question and moment like?
0: Yeah, think, you know, I think for one, whatever you do, they do it sports. whether it's quite fit. Or, uh, I a mean, you know, being a, being a spectator you know, is always hard. Um, but what I saw that day uh, in 2010 was Bray and all the other competitors really find their way to the finish line. And, and that really sparked my curiosity to see if one, I could do it is to let find a way to make it happen. Um, so I, you know, I've grown up, as we told you earlier, a big sports fan, it, this is something that I wanted to try. You know, and if I did not like it, I will find another activity. But this is just something that really resonated with me. It resonated with my life, so all the ups and downs, that I go through and he gets to do it with Greg. It gets so totally special. And I don't think that either one of us will ever take that for great.
2: You know, DJ, if I can just jump in on just something as I was listening to Kyle that just popped in my head as I've shared my piece of this is, you know, when I did my first Ironman, which was 2010, and this is a 140.6 mile endurance challenge, swim, bike, and run. You know, At that point, Kyle had, you know, had barely been out of college for a year. And in Georgia, like many other states, the support structure for people with disabilities starts to break down at 21, Um, meaning there's less program offerings. There's less, you know, Kyle, when he goes to, when he used to go to high school, there was stuff for him to do all day. There were people there to take care of him. There was things that were legally in place. And so now he's out of college and he has to find his own gym too. He has to find his own way to health and wellness. He has to... Has to figure out other people to take care of him besides just my parents or the caregivers we had at high school and college for him, and so he's he's like overwhelmed maybe with this whole new world, sure. And and he's feeling maybe like he's a little out of shape now. Putting it, we've never talked about this, yeah. No, it's and so all of a sudden, he comes to this race that I've been training for, for for nine months, this life that I've been progressing through for two years. And Kyle goes, Can people in wheelchairs do this? Not just because of. Our love of sports and and for us to share this together, but for him to go, this is a way forward in my life that's going to improve my overall existence as a human. And we've been now carrying that on since
0: 2011 together. Yeah, I mean, I think, but you know, even on my way over here, I was, you know, talking to my caregivers about holes and my care schedule this weekend. So it's just like, you know, it's, I don't think I um I think that I have to do with it is overwhelming. So when I get out on the course with prayer, or doing the meaningful work that we do, with the guy we play, they get this kind of escape to you know get to perform and get to be the athletes that we are. So um, I think that's right. We really never I uh, talked about that before. So um. Yeah, I think it. I think it's made what
1: we do. Very cool. I have a couple layers I want to go into there first. Uh, Brent, what was your honest reaction when Kyle asked you, "Can people in wheelchairs do Iron Man's"? I mean, what did you, what did you say? Yes, um, and I think that that had always been the reaction
2: from our entire family, and so I think it was an honest reaction. Now that the aftermath of that was, you know, how are we going to do this? Because neither of us had a clue. Uh, <laughs> But, had, had
1: nobody done that before or is that they had was there, like, was a, okay. there was a
2: father son that was very famous rick and dick hoyt and you know but the interesting thing is is we heard that story in the 90s and so back in those days there wasn't this social media where all of a sudden then you follow them and you paid attention to what they were doing or you you stayed at least on the peripheral of what was going on and so we had heard the story but we didn't know what triathlons were back then, and we certainly weren't interested in that. And so it never resonated with us or stuck with us, I should say. And so when we, the first people we reached out to were, were the Hoyts, and they actually sent us this really long email that I saved. It just had every possible resource, all the different ways that we could think about doing it. And so we started ordering equipment um, pretty much from there. So it, it, the reaction was initial, immediate, and honest. And then the, the work began from there.
1: Kyle, I got to hear more. So I think a lot of people would see your, your adaptability where you're at right now. And they'd say it'd be probably just be easy not to go out for Ironman's and not to be active. It would be easier just to be at home and, you know, whatever it is, watch TV and just kind of stay in your zone. That would be the easy way out, but you're choosing to take the hard road and take on these challenges. Why is it that you want to go out and be more active instead of taking what I would de- deem as the easier way—not the easy way, but the easier way?
0: Yeah, I think uh, you know my mindset from the always taking to my life has always been to carry myself to look at what I can, what I can do rather than what I can't do. So I really, I I've probably done other hard stuff. Because the hard stuff made us soft, right? And so that's why I want you to focus on it is let's get out of the, the the everyday north person for, for with the wheelchair. And look, I'm not taking away anything from all the other people that are that are fighting through their disability, but I get shows. Just focus on be good, rather than what I can't do, and and that has always been um other that has always been the priority to me to focus on on my abilities rather than my disabilities.
1: Yeah, the power of perspective—it's—it's something else, Brent. When you sit there and you hear that, what what goes through your mind?
2: Um, it's what we've always seen from him, and I don't—I think if you had asked us. You know, where do you see Kyle in 10 years when he was 15 years old? This is exactly what we would have have seen. It might not have been in this exact space, but Kyle's always wanted to be included. Kyle's always wanted to live to his greatest potential. And whether that was at school or at, you know, whatever, whatever he was doing. I mean, we had a teacher tell us a, a funny story when we were writing our book. That told kyle about how he used to try and get in trouble because he wanted to be treated like other kids and that's one of those stories when you hear it you're like oh well was kyle a bad kid it was like no kyle just wanted his life to look like everybody else's and however he had to get there he was willing to do it and that's in this world in this athletic realm that we continue to share together that's exactly what he's doing and he's elevating me and all of us around him through his actions, through those. So it's not just his spoken word. you see him, you see him put those words into action.
1: Amazing. Well, Let's continue the timeline here. So 2010, you do your first um, Ironman and then, and then Kyle joins and talk to me about what was first, what did you guys do? What was the progression like?
0: Yeah, our first race was, 2011, it was a 10K and I showed up um, in my workout. I work at a local supermarket here in Atlanta, you know. I showed up with my uniform on, and I really had no idea what to expect. And, but, when I got out of the car, but, like, what are you doing in a way? I have to go to work after this. Uh, um, they feel like, well, you're gonna look like a hot mess, but you're gonna go to work. Um, so that was an eye-opener for me. Uh, and we didn't really have all the equipment to manage my spathoms uh, with the general policy. So our dad gave us a golf club, head and get the put over my hand so that my arm wouldn't fathom against the the jogger that we were using. Uh, but we got so much fun to be out there with. Uh, Bray and all the other uh people that he played with, Uh that we get built a way up to a half marathon. uh that we did it
2: sprint. Um, tra- tra- it was, yeah, it was just this like steady progression. Like it, it was always with Iron Man in mind. We uh, we wanted to get to this big goal, but we wanted to learn. And figure things out along the way which include which included simple things like equipment like even learning you know like we found a shoe company that built shoes that worked really well with Kyle's spasms he had spent his adult life basically wearing slippers because that was the most comfortable thing and so it just it was a fun process now when we look back on it at the time it was overwhelming but it was you know so it was just this slow steady progression that really took us from 2011 until 2013 before we did that first Ironman. So it wasn't just this, okay, he did the 10 K and then we did the sprint and then we did this. It was, how do we get to that point? So by 2013, we're ready for this 140 plus mile race.
1: So 2013 comes for my listeners that aren't as familiar with Ironman, walk me through what are the distances and, and paint the picture for what it looks like for you guys. You can Google it and it's amazing to see, but for the people that are listening on audio here, walk us through, what does it look like?
2: So, it's a 2.4 mile swim uh, in which Kyle rides in an inflatable kayak that I tied to my waist. Um, 112 mile bike ride. We use a three wheel bike. Our goal was for Kyle to feel like a cyclist. So, we've actually got him sitting on the front of the bike, which is very unique to a lot of people. There's a lot of people in our space now. It's not like it was 30 years ago. Um, But Kyle is the only athlete that I'm aware of that sits up front like he is a cyclist. Um, About a 65 pound bike. Uh, that we ride together and then the marathon we is a 26.2 mile marathon that we do where we push on a specially designed race chair um, if i move my head you can see it behind me here in just a second but it's 140.6 miles um, with a midnight cutoff so there's also i just want to add there's these very specific cutoffs and so you have 10 and a half hours to finish the swim in the bike you have 17 hours to finish your entire day which is usually around midnight and that was something else that was really important for Kyle, because now he wasn't just running in the neighborhood 10K. He was competing in a race that if he didn't make those cutoffs, he was going to get sent home just like everybody else without that finisher's medal, without that glory of the accomplishment. And it really resonated with Kyle. i slide out of there for you so you can see it.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. Kyle, did you have anything you wanted to add?
2: No, uh,
0: no, I did I, I'll never forget that that day, that first Iron that we did. Um, I would get indulged by the process. And, and how we got there, you know, our mom told us, from the very beginning of our journey, to start small and then build your way up. And then, that's what we did. We always had in mind um, um, Iron Man Hawaii and Kona. Uh, that was the only goal because there is, in our sport the, in the Super Bowl of Ironman um so after 2013 uh, we were out hey, we did one so they thought we thought that they were going to win the team uh, right away to probably here but uh do we know that, that we're not going to
1: happen so walk me through what happens after 2013.
2: Uh, the, the long, slow process of being told no over and over again, and a series of letdowns. Um, my, uh, the best way I can describe it is like the movie Rudy. Um, if you remember when he was trying to get into Notre Dame, he kept getting rejected. That was really a kind of how i And all the while we were still trying to add to our resume. So before we finally got into this big Super Bowl that Kyle just referenced is we, we did an Ironman in 14, we did an Ironman in 17. And so, you know, we just kept doing because what we realize now is we were chasing this big goal. There was this thing that we felt like that was going to validate us with showing up and saying, Hey, we're, we're here and we're worth it. And we're capable. What I realized now is that we were in this world that we both belonged in because we were number one, sharing it together and, and, Doing something as brothers at an age where not a lot of people get to do those things together. But two, we were getting to enjoy this, this process together. And Ironman's a fun thing um, because the pro triathletes race on the same day as the men, race on the same day as the women. Mm-hmm. There's not this separation. Everybody's included. Everybody's part of the day. And that also was something that Colin and I loved. And so, you know, we just finally got to a point where we said, Hey, we're going to let go of this this goal that this is not going to be what's going to define us. We're going to enjoy doing this while we're capable physically and mentally. And it's a huge mental ask of Kyle to really be the captain and and guide us through these days. We could we could sit here for the entirety of this podcast and tell you stories of how I've tried to quit and how Kyle's pulled me back from those moments because carrying a human being for 140.6 miles is really hard. But for Kyle, he's carrying a human being for 140.6 miles too, because it's his job to make sure that we get through those low moments. You know, Ironman is a beautiful sport because it's 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 wave it's big wave riding. If you're up and you're down, and you've got to go through those troughs to really appreciate when you're on top of the big wave, and that's what 13 to 18 really looked like for us. That, that might be a lot more answer than you were looking for, but that's. It's really been the experience for us.
1: That was great. And you you hit on a specific piece that uh, I love, and it's the idea of process, over outcome. We know that the outcome for you guys is crossing the finish line and but but the process, you're in the process much longer than you are the outcome. The outcome is 10 seconds of you crossing this finish line and enjoying it. But re- in reality, you're spending for you guys years and years and years in the process. So, talk to me either one of you about the importance of process. Maybe it's during the race, the process of, hey, I'm not even thinking about the finish line yet. I'm just thinking about the next mile or half mile. Or maybe it's training it's one year at a time tell me about tell me about the process
2: i am going to try and say this quick because kyle will then be able to jump right in on it but that was the thing we realized in that five-year window of not getting into the race in hawaii was the process was the enjoyment of self-improvement of doing it together and so we train together kyle has to also physically be ready for the demands of that i mean his body goes through 14 plus hours of endurance activity it's very difficult for a body that's used to sitting in a wheelchair for 16 to 18 hours a day. And so we go out and do these long bike rides together and these long runs and we'll go swim. And we, and we sit and we talk and we share images and you know we try to push each other. And so I think for me, that's when we look back because the race itself can be a really stressful day. But those, those months and years leading up to it is what I feel like has been the greatest advantage to us is that we're able to enjoy that whole process.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. I think the race day itself is fun. but it it is very stressful where you 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 know, your family, your loved ones, they wanna know like where to be and all that. And you know, that can you know, well be overwhelming by the process, you know. Um, for for your class to gate, you know, you get you get to up to a competition, it, it, you know, you have to practice, you have to, you know, do the rest and all that. And so I think our process is so cool that, you know, we can do it together and and we get to joy. You know, I love looking at a film of the race course or watching a YouTube video and it's so great. Hey, look out for this or look out for that. So, it's not like, oh, we're going to do an Man show up the day before and make it happen. You know, there's a lot of planning that goes into it. And I'm a student of the sport, you know, so I want to know about the course before, you know, we drive we, so to bike course a couple days before the event so that we can, you know, get an idea, a real life idea of what to expect or
2: yeah, and it's not just showing up to the race day where I go, Hey buddy, I hope you're ready to have fun today because I've been training for the last 24 <laughs> weeks. It's we've been doing this whole thing together. Yeah. It's usually 24 weeks is the amount of time that I focus my train. I mean, I'm training nonstop, but for 24 weeks I'm very focused on whatever that event may be. And really for the last 10 or 12 is when Kyle is part of, you know, 10 to 12 hours a week of training together, where we do these bike rides and these runs. And so that's the process that it takes that we've learned over the years of how we get Kyle fit both physically and mentally for that day. And in the time, he, you know, he just mentioned some of the other things that he does, but that becomes this enjoyment for both of us that we get to share. And it's still stressful. I mean, we go through times, I mean, when I'm training 20 plus hours a week and Kyle can't get a hold of me on the phone, he gets, he gets tired of getting my voicemail or, you know, when I call Kyle and he's too busy he's tired or he's taking a break or working one of his three you know it's just it, it i don't want it to sound like it's this super easy like lovely experience we've had the last 12 years but that all of those things are part of the experience the ups and the downs of the, of life you know sharing the training and, and the ups and downs of it and being able to translate that onto a race course is a beautiful thing that i get to share with my brother
0: and i think it's the other important who is a great guy? Um, one of the best ones I know. Really hit down with the individually and together. So we'll, we'll go and have coffee and we'll talk about, you know, what to expect and he'll you know, give us the good, the bad, and the ugly. Um, so it's a really good day. Um, it's a part of our process.
1: And How true is it, too, that if you don't love the process, you're probably not going to love the outcome either? Yeah, absolutely. Right. So you talk about a little bit about the Super Bowl of Ironmans. This is new to me. So you guys got to teach me what, what is the Super Bowl you're talking about? Walk me through. What's that like?
2: So Ironman has the world championships in Kona, Hawaii each fall. And it's this, uh, I mean, it's, I mean, CrossFit games would be the closest, you know, comparison for, for a lot of your listeners in that you've got to qualify, you've got to be able to perform at a really high level. And then when you get there, you're performing against the best of the best. And so, traditionally, it's been 2,500 of the fittest people on the planet, and there wasn't a path for Kyle and I to call ourselves one of those. And but everybody who does the sport at any point, whether it's a sprint or an Olympic or a Ironman triathlon, is aware of Kona, Hawaii, and they're aware because it's on NBC every fall. They're aware because. I mean, when we would tell people we're doing Ironmans. They go, "Oh, you mean like the one in Hawaii?" <laughs> so it became this goal that you right. know we wanted to measure ourselves against the best of the best, and uh, that was this you know massive goal to go experience it. And it's it's got all the pomp and fanfare, and you know it's the finish line is is it's a red carpet affair, you know. Um, but Super Bowl is the best way that I think we could describe it. It's got a little of the prestige of maybe, say, the Masters, but it's got a lot of the, again, the fanfare of the Super Bowls. Loud, there's intensity, there's just so much around it in all the eyes of the of the sport, of our sport. You know, they turn their attention to to the island on that day.
1: And what year was this?
2: We did it in 2018.
1: Okay. So walk me through, what was that uh, 14 hours like in 2018?
2: Um. It it was the most intense and amazing experience, um, it, a lot of highs and lows. I mean, you know, we've been waiting for this thing for since 2012, really. And, you know, so for the better part of six years, we worked really hard to get there. And, and we went through all those series of no's and we finally find ourselves there. And I, I would start by sharing that, you know, there's so much intensity. I mean, my mouth is like sandpaper. I can't chew. Kyle can't speak. He's not even looking at me. He's just staring straight ahead. He's got this intense look on his face because he's getting ready to, he knows what's coming. At this point, this is our fifth Ironman, our fourth Ironman. We know what's coming. Like, in, ignorance is bliss sometimes. And by the, by the fourth one, we knew that there was torture awaiting. Um, another performance coach, Brad Stolberg, had a tweet one time that I, or maybe an article where he said, if you, you know, if you come into this thing, a marathon thinking mile 20 is gonna be easy, like you don't have the right expectations. And so Kyle and I knew it wasn't gonna be an easy day, but that doesn't make it like, oh great, we're gonna go punish ourselves for 14 hours. And so in the middle of that intensity, we realized we've got to get away from people. Our whole family's there, we've got like 40 or 50 supporters on the island. Everybody's aware of the story at this point. And I just pulled a boat out into the middle of the Pacific Ocean away from the seawall where all these people are lined up, the music, and all of a sudden it gets quiet. And I look up at Kyle and I just started crying. And I just felt this massive wave of emotions. And I realized, you know, that I'm with one of the people that I care most about in this world. I'm with my brother. And I looked at him and I said, you know, Kyle, being your brother has been one of the greatest joys of my life. And I promise that no matter what happens today, I'll give you every ounce of my energy. And all I ask is you do the same. And Kyle had on his big Oakleys. By this point, we weren't wearing his, you know, his work clothes. He looked like an athlete. He had on the Lycra, and he's got these big Oakleys with the mirrored lenses. But I can still feel the daggers coming through those Oakleys. And Kyle just says, "You got it, bud," with this just intensity. And then the cannon goes off just a few moments moments later. And Kyle and I talk about being shot out of that cannon. It's the fastest we've ever swam. Um, We were, we, we swam faster than more than half the field, you know, just an unbelievable performance. It was a world championship performance. And from there that, you know, you ride your way up through the lava fields. I mean, you're, you're biking through lava fields, you know, it's not this at that point, it's probably like Augusta national. It's, it's quiet. You're by yourself. You're, you're in your own head. And it's where Kama have this massive competitive advantage because at that point, we can lean on each other where other competitors have to figure it out on their own. And so for 112 miles, we rode this, this series of ups and downs, probably culminating in the climb of hobby. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean, when they were up, they were up. But when they were low, they were they were low. We both had a big hole. And, uh, you know, just part of the that really resonates with both of us. Um, And, you know, that's what, you know, I have to do is, you know, make sure that our energy is is upbeat. And, you know, I know that the roads are going to stick around for a while. And they did that day for both of us. Um, but how do we get back on our horse? Um, and so we just found a way through um, my favorite cow, the little Aiki that could. And I kept saying, I think we can, I think we can, I think we can. The whole 19 mile climb up to um, that tower that went, thank you. Javi. Um, mean, I mean, I mean, yeah, Yeah. And then when we made, um, yeah. That turned around. Uh, it was just, Uh what goes up must come down. Uh, so it was much more
2: enjoyable too. I uh, go down than to go up. But right? so so to put it in perspective, you know, climbing up this, it's it's a 19 mile climb. There's some dips in there. It wasn't straight 19 miles up, but you, it was not easy. And at times we were doing two three miles per hour. So it took us over two hours to get to the turnaround. And we, you know, we mentioned earlier, there's this 10 and a half hour cutoff and this might have been our only chance to do Hawaii and in our mind, whatever it took, we could not miss that bike call. And every Ironman to that point, you know, two minute cutoff, we, we make it by two minutes at the first Ironman, we make it by like six minutes at the second, you know, five minutes at the third one. I mean, it's just like, we're never like, it's always there. It's always in the back of our mind. Like, Hey, we're, we're getting close to this cutoff thing. And you know we worked our tails off for for 17 weeks for this one. We had a little bit shorter window, and so as we hit the turnaround, we're we're getting kind of close to that cutoff. We we had we had a spreadsheet built for the day. We knew at every mile marker, like what time of day we were supposed to be there. And I had the important ones memorized. So we hit this turnaround, and we're you know Kyle's got this little cut on his ankle. He's bleeding. Uh, he's sunburned. He's he's having trouble eating because it's so hot. And we're both really struggling, and he's just been chanting at me for two hours. We're sick of each other, and we hit the turnaround, and we start going close to forty miles an hour. Now, you know, we're we're flying down this hill. We're getting all this time back on the clock, and I say to Kyle, "I was like, hey man, look out in front of us, and it's the Pacific Ocean. It was a perfect day. You could see it for miles. Beautiful. I mean, and people would pay money to sit where we were sitting." And actually, we didn't pay money to sit there. Uh, and Kyle goes, hey, bud, you got to focus. And for the for the rest of the race that day, every time I would say anything to Kyle or anytime Kyle would say anything to me, the immediate response from both of us was focus. And it's so, you know, it, you 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 talk about it in your line of work. People do it in, in in your world. But sometimes these mantras, they aren't this like fancy motivational saying. It's just this simple... Association and for us it was to bring us back to where we were. We were in the world championships and we needed to stay present in that moment. And all of a sudden we get to the to the bike finish line, and I've really stopped looking at the clock. We've both been struggling mentally and physically, and so we're just pedaling. We're just yelling at each other, and we get there, and our coach tells us we beat it by fifty-one minutes. You know, I mean, we were in the best shape of our lives. We were in world championship fitness. So now in the back of our mind, well, now it's just records. Let's just go break records. Because <laughs> every other race, when we barely made that cutoff, once we got off the bike, we knew without a shadow of a doubt that we would make it to the finish line with time to spare. Midnight was never an issue for us. And so we just take off and we forget a bunch of Kyle's padding. Uh, I realized that I've been drinking uh, everything but electrolytes on the bike. And within a mile, we were, we were basically reduced to a crawl. and. Uh, we were both just completely wiped out and Kyle looks at me at one point and he says, hey man, can you just run to that traffic cone? And I look in front of me and there's this traffic cone and it's five feet away. And I was like, okay I can do that. So I jog five feet and Kyle goes, okay go to the next one. And for like seven miles, this is what we did. It was the only way we could keep moving. And eventually Kyle starts to struggle and we could sit here and just tell stories of him helping me with it and as we've mentioned but this is the first time kyle truly i i thought he wanted to just lay down on the side of the road because he was just completely wiped out his body was destroyed and it starts raining and you know everybody else in hawaii was like rain this feels great kyle was shivering because his body doesn't generate that body heat, and so we just for for over four and a half hours we struggled both of us back and forth and the only thing that revived me was listening to my brother tell me to go five feet at a time. The only thing that revived Kyle was chicken broth and seeing our family and friends cheering and screaming for us. You know, somebody said to us, and I think this is true of all of us, is that there are people cheering for you that you don't even know. And one of the biggest energizing things Kyle and I had was that, why is six hours behind our hometown? And we just thought of all those people that were sitting up at, you know, 12, 1, 3 in the morning, watching the live feed. And we just kept plowing forward and we finally hit the red carpet after 14 and a half hours, after 33 years of ups and downs together as brothers. And we hear the voice of Iron Man scream out, and he goes, Kyle Pease, you are an Iron Man. And I like I reached down and I grabbed Kyle's face and I'm screaming in his face. And I in that moment I realize that I'm hanging on to a world champion athlete. And it wasn't just that moment. It wasn't just that day. It was what Kyle has shown all of us uh, his entire life that I was hanging on to dearly. So, um, just a really, uh, really special day and, and moment for us that that entire process that that, that our entire lives had been poured into.
0: It's funny, you know, but we're talking, you know. This year it will be five years, uh, five year anniversary, and I, I just can't believe how, how bad how time goes. Uh, because it gets pure, so I because to get killed, yesterday, we were in Hawaii, uh, getting ready for that moment this day, um, that really came to our life. Um, it came, um, who we are, it came to, the 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 cow we trying well uh it gets really amazing yeah how far we have come them It to make the 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 that that keep all the story.
1: I'd love to, as the mental performance coach here, I'm itching to learn more about some of the self-talk. You said, Brent, that a lot of the uh, individual competitors, they uh, have a little bit of a disadvantage because it's just them and their own voice. You said you have an advantage because you have another voice to listen to and kind of come back and forth on. I want to dive into a little bit of the self-talk or maybe maybe the word isn't self-talk for you guys, the teammate talk. What helped you? What were some of the phrases you said focus was one? What, what, what What are some of the other things that helped you guys Push through. I imagine fourteen hours is such a long time to be in your own head. Uh, How do you guys? How do you guys balance that? What were some of the words you said to each other? What worked?
2: Uh, The little engine that could has just been. That was one of those books we we remember our mom reading to us, and over and over and over again. And that one comes up all the time for us because it's just this. It's simple. Um, Kyle is a master of cliches sometimes, but it's because they work because Mm -hmm. they're so simple. Um, so that's it, but the focus thing just kind of popped in there. And that's what I love about when I race with Kyle is that we don't come into it with a plan of like, okay, today's about focus. Tomorrow's about tenacity. Like we don't have this theme that we have to, we don't have a script, right? What we have is each other and we have to just follow what's, what's the energy that we're giving to each other. You know, there's a, there's, there's a better, there's a better one that I'll at least give you is kind I kind of have this sick joke that. Sometimes I can sense frustration from Kyle and I'll go, well, why don't you get back here and push the pedals? And then Kyle will say calmly to me, why don't you come sit in this chair? And that's like this centering act that we do to each other of, hey, man, you don't know what it's like to push this bike. And Kyle's like, yeah, but you don't know what it's like to sit in this bike. And so the the words that we say to each other change often. But in Hawaii, you know, on the swim, it was energetic and Kyle screaming at me. Just go, 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 go. And I just, I could feel his energy. In the swim, if you see pictures of us, you're like, well, what does Kyle do? Well, Kyle has to set the tone for the day. If he's just sits there and lays and and looks up at the sun for an hour and five minutes, hour and 10 minutes, then what the hell is he doing? Like he's, he's on the team. He's in the water. He's got to race with And when we get on the bike, there's usually this period of silence. You know, it's, it's 15, it's 20 minutes where we're really not talking to each other. We're, we're settling into the day. And then all of a sudden the conversation started. And sometimes it's like, How are you feeling? Sometimes it's like, Hey, man, uh, I want to tell you something your, your wife said, you know, And but then it shifts into this thing. And in Hawaii, it became what we talked about. It just became the word focus. It was some some word that would bring us back to where we were, which was on this island, this magical place that we had been striving for for six years.
0: Yeah, I think. I'd be- one of the cool things about our relationship, uh, we were ready together, uh, to and it's we'll a conversation, it's a very organic conversation that builds into what we need to be, what needs to be done. Um, so, uh, I I really appreciate the conversation. That's how I know, like, okay, well, where to go with this? Uh, <laughs> uh, you
2: know, you can get to go with it, and um, how you going today? It's, re- it's just reading each other, too. I mean, on that run, we talk about we tell that story about the traffic cones all the time because we feel like that just that resonates with everybody. We've all been in that moment where you cannot think past the five feet in front of you. And that's where Kyle is such a skilled competitor and such an amazing athlete himself is because he knew where I was. And for Kyle to say to me, hey, I think you can, I think you can, or to say some some phrase to me, some word, it wasn't going to do anything that he needed to just bring my attention down to what I could do, which he Kyle knew I could run 26.2 miles, but I didn't anymore. I was doubting myself. You know, we all have that self-doubt. And so then Kyle just says, go five feet, you know? And so I guess what I would think about for everybody out there is, you know, what is that bigger drive behind what you're doing? And Kyle and I do have it easier because the reason we're out there doing it is for each other. And we're with each other through that whole process. I don't have to leave Kyle on the sidelines like when we were kids. I get to bring him with me. He gets to bring me with him. So understanding that bigger purpose that we all have, that that why behind it, that's, that brings those words forward, that brings the energy forward that you need to, to go more than five feet, to go 26.2, to go 140.6 miles.
1: Yeah, it comes back to that process over outcome too of just... My my process is just getting to this cone. It's just one step at a time or it's, you know, mm-hmm. two strokes at a time rather than, you know, biting off more than you can chew. Let's just take the next 10 seconds here and take one little bit at a time. You mentioned uh, earlier, Brett, uh, Brett about um, your... Uh, the rain and how the weather played a role in it. And I'm sure you have multiple stories, not just Kona, but over the last 10 years about whether it's a weather thing or an equipment breakdown. I would love to hear another story. You guys are such great storytellers. What's another story about a piece of adversity you guys had to overcome? Maybe it's weather, maybe it's equipment, maybe it's something else that I haven't even thought of, but what's what's a piece of adversity that you guys had to come over when it comes to the competition in the last 10 years? I mean, we got a ton. I bet you do. There was a great one in Hawaii, but I, you know, the one that might, resonate a lot is
2: in 2015 we did the new york city marathon and it was at a moment in time where we had the the kyle Peace foundation was growing so we had this organization behind a lot of what we were doing and it was it was getting to a point where kyle and i couldn't really get these opportunities to race together as much and so we were like we're gonna go through the new york city marathon by ourselves with no help we're not going to bring anybody and we show up getting ready to run the biggest marathon and the biggest city in the world and about halfway through, the wheel shattered on Kyle's chair. And, you know, that could have been the moment of like, you know, we've never failed. We've never screwed up. We've always made it to the finish line. It's okay. Let's go home. And in fact, I talked to my coach. We had Kyle's, uh, we had my cell phone and Kyle's uh, fanny pack. Uh, I don't know if there's a cool word for fanny pack, but um, I called him and I'm like, hey, look, here's what's going on. He's like, hey, man. He's like, it's okay, you know, it's it's tough. And I was like, I think I've got an idea. And so I hang up and we end up uh, getting the wheel, long story short, the wheel gets pulled off and we tie all this rope to the axle. We tie the, the rope to my shoulder with, and we stuff a bunch of blankets for padding. And we try to carry this mangled wheelchair. Wow. And uh, I'd love to tell you, we overcame the adversity. I carried Kyle for 13 miles with two wheels instead of three. But I made it about a quarter mile before I realized that I couldn't turn the wheelchair. Mm-hmm. Um, and I needed help. And this woman tried to help us in, in typical male ego fashion, Kyle I said, no. And she said, I think you really need help. And we said, okay, if you pick up the front wheel and point in the direction I'm trying to go, we can keep moving. And she helped us. And we made it from like, 13 to 16, but now we're really struggling and the rope's starting to fray. My shoulders are getting sore. Kyle and I are both just really struggling mentally. We were running seven and a half minute miles. Now we're doing 22 minute miles. We're barely barely moving at a walk pace. And this other stranger stops and, and says he wants to help us. And at this point, we're too tired to argue and we let him in. And so now I've got this woman that we've just met. I've got this man that we've just met. And the three of us are carrying Kyle's chair. The rope ends up snapping. And now I'm just kind of holding it up with my forearms and at mile 18, I, I pushed the strangers off the chair and I pull Kyle to the side of the road and I look at him and I was like, what are we doing? I was like, this isn't us. This isn't competing. This is silly. Like, let's just go home. And Kyle said, you can quit, but I'm going to finish. Hmm. And in that moment, I was pissed at Kyle. <laughs> you know, because he was going to make me stay out there. And in that moment, Kyle was pissed at me because I was trying to quit. And in a very real way, you know, we, we, again, we, we've had many of these moments on a race course, like the, like the Hawaii story. Like I was really struggling, but I wasn't going to walk off that course. I just needed somebody to kind of help me get moving again. But in New York, I was ready to walk off that course. I was done, 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 done. And after seven and a half hours, we finally finished me, Kyle, Cameron, and Amy. And I pull my phone back out and there's hundreds of messages. Mm. People have been following the New York City Marathon all day on their phones. There's this beautiful tracker. You can literally see the, ball, the chip moving around the course. And they watched us for, for five or six hours. People are watching us and they're texting and tweeting, and talking to each other. And Kyle, I don't know any of this. And I call our friend, uh, Betty, who's a, a cancer survivor, and she's bawling. And she says, you know, you guys just gave us the greatest gift you could give anybody by never giving up. And now I'm bawling. I'm listening to this woman who's overcome cancer. I'm sitting with my brother who's lived a full life with, the, with despite his disability. And I look at Kyle and I was like, dude, do you realize what we just did? And he's still pissed. And he looks at me and he goes, you tried to quit. <laughs> And now we're screaming at each other. And we're in the back of this cab at this point, And we are just yelling at each other. And I finally scream at Kyle. go, well, you're a bleeping a-hole. And we stop talking after that. And we get back to the hotel. And I look at Kyle. And he looks at me. And, and, I re- and we both realize somebody's got to put Kyle to bed. Somebody's got to take him to the bathroom, brush his teeth. And you talk about intimacy. And you talk about trust. All of a sudden, we have to trust each other again. We can't be mad at each other. And by the next morning, we just hugged and held on to each other. And then Kyle looks at his phone. He still hasn't looked at it. And all of a sudden, it's silence out of Kyle. And he's reading all these messages and realizing that the power of not giving up is so much more than what it does for you. It's what it does for all of those around you. And maybe it's just your family. For us growing up, it was my parents never giving up on Kyle. That me and, and Kyle's twin Evan watched our entire lives and, and you see that play out in our athletic world. You see it play out with the Kyle Peace Foundation. And, and we're very fortunate that because of what we do, a lot more people get to see it. And in that moment, for seven and a half hours, we didn't give up. And it's just one of those really special moments that um we're really it took us a while to share because we because of how ugly we were towards each other. But we just realized we were being brothers. We were being humans, and that everything we experienced that day was very real and and also very special.
0: Yeah, I think What they can do about Erica? I bet wife, Erica the get had their daughter. Um, so could normally come to all our big event, but this one she had to stay back at home. And she was pregnant. Is her perspective of the tracker um, was really interesting to write your motorily and then we got to the second part of the marathon it was just like a snail and it would get so cool to see you move but also it it gave me a take it and all that to so get to see you know how effective People are through our journey. And if we can just give people hope and, you know, let them forget about their challenges for a couple of hours, you know, then we did our job. And I really think New York shows both of us, you know, what, how big our story is. Uh, so we will never forget that.
1: Yeah big, powerful part of that, guys, is just you never know who's watching. Yeah, yeah, I agree for sure. The part in your uh, or the byline in your book is a story of passion, brotherhood and relentless determination. I love the words relentless determination. I think you guys exemplify that. I would love to hear in your words, what what is relentless determination? Why is it so important to you? Obviously, that story is relentless determination. But how does that how does that hold on your heart?
0: Uh, I know no other way. Um, that's how. That's how we were brought up. That's how I look at my everyday um, obstacles and triumphs and um, focus on on that energy, that that good energy that that helped me to become vibrant be during all of my activities. So, I know no other way. I know.
2: It's probably not the an that you are looking for, but... Oh, that's good. Uh, yeah. I mean, kind of everything we've ever had to do for Kyle has been with relentless determination, like making sure he was in an inclusive classroom, making sure he had opportunities to play sports, making sure that he could go to college independently. You know, all of these things, it wasn't just a simple pick up the phone and go, hey, you know, my son's going to be in kindergarten next year. Uh, does he just go to a regular class? It was advocating, it was fighting. And so we don't know any other way. We've learned it and we've we failed at it just as many times as we try to succeed at it. But if we stay relentless in our pursuit of that and, and and moving ourselves forward, then we're we're doing a really good job. And it's it's back to that process. That that is relentless determination, relentless focus forward, that is our process uh, always.
0: And I think that that we went with determination as showed over the guy, we well, I mission to improve, to improve the lives of people with disabilities through sport, and I did that our athletes and families model the relationship that we have, and um, and they look different to them, but they they love it, and we love having them, and we have gained about ninety plus more people into our families and that number gets you to grow uh and then we get to die to see where it goes from here
1: as you guys look back on your career that thus far each of you what are you what are you most proud of i, I love asking that question it's something that i ask myself every night when i go to bed is what am i most proud of of the day and I, it's usually something effort related just personally it's more of a journal type thing but i'll, I'll ask a bigger question for you guys the last 10 years each of you what are what are you most proud of
0: uh, that we get to do it together
1: mm. i i'd go back to the
2: what we were you were just asking us about i'd, I'd be most proud of the relentless determination that we've exhibited i mean when you get told no that many times, when you have that many letdowns, it'd be really easy. And and I think anybody would have said to Kyle, it's okay, uh, just like they did in the New York City Marathon. And yet we still wanted to push ourselves forward. And and it's not been easy. It's been really hard work. Um, and I'm really proud to be able to look back on the last 10 years and, and see all that we were able to accomplish because of that.
1: Yeah, so Cool. As we kind of close down here kyle you have you've created a a extraordinary platform rightfully so and i just want to give you a a moment here to say a message to the people out there that they may have a physical limitation or maybe they don't but they're just they're just hesitant and they're not sure if they should go after whatever it is in their life whether it's something grand or something really small What's your message, Kyle, to people out there who are hesitating? And I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I have what it takes.
0: Just focus. Just take one step at a time one wheel right at any time. You know, I, I don't know that We all have an invisible wheelchair. Um, some are more noticeable like mine, but the first thing to do is get out of our own way and then when we do that the it's kind of like, so just try it you know just go out go after it and see where it can take you and you'll be really surprised at what you can do rather than what you can't do
1: awesome You guys are an incredible inspiration. I couldn't even, I can't even tell you how many times I got chills on my neck listening to your guys' stories. I could do this all day. Uh, As we close down here, how can my listeners support you? You guys have a lot of great things going on. Uh, Where can I point them if they want to help out with the foundation or whatever you guys have going?
2: So uh, KylePuSoundation.org is really kind of the best place you can follow our social media. You can sign up for the newsletter. You can sign up to volunteer. Um, We do races all around the country. So there's always opportunities. and just really keep up to date with what we're doing. And it's, uh, it's we're really proud of it and really excited every chance we get to meet new people that can help us just spread that message of inclusion.
1: Cool. Kyle, anything that you want to add that we can help support you with?
2: Uh, no, I think, right,
0: no, down the head again, I think that, you know, you. get the point of new listeners to our website I mean, that will bring more eyes to the story. Aaron and who knows it might be a door opening for somebody to see what their possible to. is
1: guys thank you for taking the time this is a blast yeah thanks man